Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to this week's episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. And I'm pleased to introduce you to another really interesting guest. Welcome, Nicola Frampton. Nicola joined William Hill in 2010 as Director of Corporate Risk, then Group Director of Customer Operations, before becoming Managing Director of the UK Retail Division in June 2014, during which time she led and implemented a number of major innovation and transformation projects. She has extensive experience in risk management, assurance and corporate governance across a wide range of industries, having specialised in these areas of corporate activity at both William Hill and prior to that whilst at Deloitte. Nicola is now the Operations Director at Domino's Pizza UK and a non-executive director at Fraser's Group. Thank you very much for coming on to the podcast, Nicola. It's great to have you here. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me, Leslie. Um, You're really delighted to be here. Thank you. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests. What is your money story? Oh, what is my money story? It's a very good question. Um, I grew up without any money. And it's, it's a, a strange way of putting it, but you know, I, I grew up um, working class family in Bradford, and we never had any money. Everything was done on a shoestring. I remember, really remember stories about my mum and dad going without so that I could have a winter coat for school, and you know, all sorts of things like that. It was it was, it was a very difficult time, sort of growing up during that period, um, and yet what's What's interesting is I, I'm a spender. I never had any money, but I owe, I'm, I'm a spender. And as soon as I got a few pennies in my purse, I was, I was out there uh, spending it on something. And, and my sister was a saver. We had the same parents, the same background, the same upbringing. Yet as, as two individuals, we're incredibly different. I, I, I can't keep money. I can't save. I'm hopeless. And she's amazing. All of that led me to, to leave school at 16. Um, you talk about, you know, my, my early career choices were very much determined by by my relationship with money. I needed to earn money. I wanted to have I wanted to have money. I wanted income. I wanted to be able to do things. And so I sort of took a job over going to university. Initially, my aspirations were to get into radiography, and then I ended up working as a as a clerical assistant in the Inland Revenue, opening the post in a mailroom. Um, and and it's interesting because even during that time, I was still living at home with my parents. And the money was just slipping through my fingers and my sister was spilling me out, even though she was on a pocket money. I, I actually have a terrible relationship with money. I certainly did in the early days. Um, 
and and over the course of of the years, you know, I, I got myself into debt. I got myself into big credit card bills and 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 all the rest of it. And as a, as a result of that, as I went through my career journey, I ended up making career choices that were based on the money that I could earn, rather than necessarily what really really intrigued me. So I'd I'd, I'd walked away from radiography. I was offered um, a role working in as a training as a clerk to a magistrate's court. Um, and opted to take a role in a building society instead. And the only reason for taking that that role was the mortgage subsidy. It was back in the 80s and interest rates were at 15.6%. I remember it vividly, actually. And I had a mortgage and I had bills to pay. And that was going to make such a fundamental difference. And, you know, there'd been various inflection points. Where I thought, gosh, why did I make that decision? It was basically because I didn't have I didn't have money. Um I was actually afraid of opening bank statements at one point in my life, which was, again, just, you know, looking back now um, was was quite a difficult period of my life. And when when my first relationship came to an end and I found myself living alone, living independently, I suddenly realised that, you know, I, I, things needed to change, that I needed to, I needed to live independently, I needed to live comfortably, and I needed to not be worried about opening bank statements. And I, if I... I think that was quite an inflection point for me. Um, and I started to sort of knuckle down a little bit. Um, I stopped the spending quite a lot. Um, and I, I focused on my career. And I really, really grew during my time at the Building Society. It was bad for Bingley. You might, you might be a tell from my accent. But I really I really grew. Um, I, I went through professional qualifications. I spent 10 years there going from a fairly um, a ministerial role into um, a leadership role, sort of looking at um, in basically internal audit, risk management, internal controls. And that's where that was really the starting point for a change in my relationship with money. And I started to make career choices based on opportunity and, and wanting to grow my career. Um, and having spent 10 years in the billing societies, during the period where billing societies were being um, privatised, we had consultants come in. They started doing a privatisation um, exercise on on Bradford and Bingley. One of the outcomes of that, obviously, was privatisation. The other outcome for me personally was actually joining the consultants that had been doing the work with us. I joined Coops and Librand. That became Deloitte ultimately. Um, in, in, and I joined to get more breadth to my experience, to expose myself to different industry sectors, to expose myself to different organizations and different sort of skills and capabilities. And that's the first time I'd ever really made that type of choice. Um, I spent 10 years in consulting and I, you know, I realized, um, I I learned a lot actually about how businesses work Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, how, how money works and so much about you know the the P&L structures and the balance sheet structures and things that I'd never really thought of before suddenly started to materialize when you're working in a you know an accounting firm you you learn an awful lot about how the world works you know how taxation systems work how welfare systems work I've worked in the NHS I've worked in construction I've worked in chemical manufacturing and you know the the, the wealth of experience and 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 you know, learnings from from that time, I, I just can't d- begin to describe really. Um, and again, gave me a prof- more professional relationship and perspective on money. You know, up to this point, I guess it was all about my personal finances and gradually t- starting to move into, so how can businesses become more efficient? How can they be po- become more effective? How can organisations do more with the same or do the same with less? Or, you know, the holy grail, do, do 
more with less and 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 all of those things came out of the the sort of decade working with with um let's say Coops and Libran became PwC I left joined Anderson and became Deloitte and all all of that learning came from that sort of 10-year period um I then went on to work for William Hill um that's an interesting relationship actually is sort of both organizationally because as a gambling organization clearly you're your perspective on money again is influenced very much by the the type of industry it was. Um, you know, when when you were dealing with the regulator, dealing with the stats and facts on you know the markers of harm, the causes of harm, and the harm that gambling can do. Um, I looked back on. I mean, I had a wonderful career there. Um, I had a brilliant time there. One of the reasons that I joined the industry. I did think about it, actually. I thought about it a lot. But one of the reasons I joined the industry was the the group had a strong moral compass and and had a clear and demonstrated to me a clear appetite to to do things differently. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons that I joined. But it took me, being there for that period, took me right back to, to my days as a, a young person without funds and thinking, gosh, you know, this this is something which we need to be really careful about um and and you know I, I spent 10 years working in that organization and you know you can't hide from the fact that it is gambling and and there is harm caused yeah. to certain individuals yeah. but i think the work that we did as a team the work that we did as an industry the the regulatory changes that came through i, I think definitely took things in a, in in the right direction and from my point of view i think um from a commercial point of view, I felt as though I was doing all the right things. From a personal point of view, I felt as though, you know, I had a, a wonderful life on the back of of, the, of that sort of time. I got to be the MD of the retail business, you know. Gosh, school leaver at 16 to be the managing director of a, you know, a 2,300-star, £3 billion turn, turnover business. Um, quite quite some transformation, but I felt, I felt I needed to put something back in. I almost felt quite guilty. Um, not specifically about the industry. I think I'd have felt the same in any um, in any industry sector. I just felt, gosh, you know, so many twists and turns in my life. How many um, decisions that I could have made differently that would have put me in a different place? I could still have been working in, you know, in, in, I could have been working in a betting shop myself um, mm. or any other sort of retail store. And it, it really made me reflect on on my relationship with with my personal finances and that I felt the need to put something back in um so I got involved in charity work I became a trustee of, of uh two charities in various roles one related to the industry the National Horse Racing College and one related to um education changing styles Malawi so you know funding an education provision for for, for children in Africa um and had you know had some great um, opportunities working with those charities and, and it, it certainly you felt that you were making a difference in in a small way Leslie but you you know I felt I was making a difference and and that is interesting that actually led to being approached um as a as a non for non-exec role in sports direct um you know senior females becoming more prominent and obviously visible um and you look at sports direct at the time this is back in 2018 and and thought Gosh, you know that looks like a great opportunity, but they don't have a great relationship with their employees, or certainly that was the you know that was the at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, lots of lots of press about the way they treated people, the sorts of people that I, you know, felt I was I was that's where I'm from, that that's me. Um and I did I did a lot of um a lot of soul searching about is this the right thing to do? But having spent some time in the organization, I realized what I was reading in the press was not what was really going on inside the organization. Um and I agreed to join the board. I joined as an executive director. Um and, and I spend a lot of time now working in that business, thinking about the people aspects. Um, I sit on the Remco. Um, I've worked hard to make sure that we, we you know, put our thinking about our employees front and centre. And I've enjoyed seeing how the, the business has not, not just evolved, the, the business has evolved massively. You know, we're now um, a, a £5 billion turnover business, the FTSE 100 business. We've grown from being sports direct to being Fraser's group, and we've got you know a whole hierarchy of of different brands and faces that sit within that group, from flannels um, to Fraser's to USC to Sports Direct and 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 many other sort of brands within that. Um, so being able to sit on a on a board of a business like that and 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 remember where I came from. And always make sure that our conversations include conversations about remuneration and, you know, staff welfare and 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 well-being and what have you. I think and influence decisions about those things, you know, has, has really made me feel, again, you know, I'm, I'm putting something back in. I'm making a difference in 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 my own small way. And and so that's I suppose is my that would be my that's my relationship with money that that's that's my my money story and I, I you know thinking about coming on and talking to you today made me start thinking about wealth yeah what is you know what is wealth and for me it's about it's about freedom and it, it's I mean clearly you know your health and your well-being are, are clearly important parts of of being wealthy but when I look back and think about my experience um that's a huge amount of wealth that goes beyond money but what the money has done is enable me to make to, to have choice choices of freedom choices of massive wealth and and having money has enabled me to make decisions about where I can put back in how I can support my family you know how I can plan for the future and and actually to enable my son who's 19 now and has gone off to university and I kind of look at him with envious eyes and think, oh, I wish I'd done that. <laughs> I don't actually wish I'd done that when I reflect because the, the choices that I've made have enabled him to, him to do that. He's actually the first child in our entire family history that's gone off to university. I'm so, oh, so proud. I, honestly, I'm so proud yeah. of that. And it's because he had and we had choice and the choice was enabled about money. And And so sometimes I do feel guilty about where I've got to and sometimes I'm I'm grateful. I'm always grateful because you know I, I don't care what my son does going forward for a living, you know. But I'll know that he was able to make the choices of, about the things that he wanted to do, Leslie, rather than the things he had to do. Or he was driven to do, or that he was desperate to do. And for that, you know, I'm I'm hugely hugely grateful. Um, and yeah, that's probably my uh, my story. So many questions have come up during everything you shared there, Nicola. And I think it will resonate with, you know, so many people that are listening to this podcast. But why do you think you have, you know, that guilt essentially for where you are now versus the 16-year-old who was was struggling with money 
all those years ago? Guilt. Yeah, I, I, I think I think it comes from the fact that you know I've have lived a very different life. Um, and to some extent, my family, some, you know, some of my family still live a very different life. I, I mean, I don't want to go into the details. I you know, do support them and look after them. But you, you kind of think things could have been so different. And there are people out there you see it in the news every day. I mean, it's, at the minute, in particular, we're talking about the, you know, the cost of living crisis, people that have to make choices between heating and eating. And um, that could have been me. And I still sit here now thinking that could have been me and um it, it does it does prick the conscience a little bit it does make you think oh my goodness me I was so lucky there are certain people in my career who have taken a chance on me for whatever reason no and I'm a hard don't even know I'm a hard worker I don't think I've I've not blagged my way through life I've I've absolutely worked hard but certain people have, have sort of helped me on my way helped me on my journey given me the confidence to push on with things you know backed me by you know spending their own money I suppose investing in me I've always said that um sort of you are your greatest investment but but other people have invested in me as well um I said God what did I do to deserve that and and that's I think where the guilt comes from it comes from just reflecting that you know I've managed to um escape the the debt trap I've managed to escape the 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 money worries that I had and so many people can't um, yeah and from, from your perspective do you think have you consciously changed your relationship with money or has it just changed as a result of the experiences and opportunities that you've had so far um I don't I'm not afraid of opening my bank statements anymore <laughs> that was a massive massive change in in my relationship with money in that now it, it you know it, it rather than it being a, a cause of misery in my life it's a, it's it's an enabler in my life I'm still a bit of a spender the interesting thing actually the, the, probably the one thing that changed my relationship with money the most is is my relationship with my husband because he's more like my sister he's a he's he's a saver and I actually think the two of us together we, we have some quite difficult conversations about money when I want to do something and he says no <laughs> Um, yeah, it causes that causes some um, very challenging debates and discussions in the household. Um, but but I, I look back and think, gosh, if it wasn't for him, maybe I still wouldn't be as as you know as lucky as I am today because I probably could have frittered it all away um, on retail therapy or other other things. So yes, my my, my relationship with money has definitely changed. Um, and, and it's it's a far more conscious relationship now. It's it's a far more um, it, it's a positive relationship. I'd call it a toxic relationship in the beginning, and now it's a positive relationship because I'm able to use that, you know, to help other people. Um, whether it be through, you know, as I say, working, my, giving my time as trustee, I, I donate a lot to to charity. I do payroll giving. Um, you know, I support family members. Um, I was able to support my nephew through a period where he wanted to make a career change, but it was again he was a little bit like me, locked in a, a role that he wasn't loving and wanted to take a change of direction. I was able to say, "I'll support you through that, re, you know, that that retraining process." Um, so I enjoy it now. I enjoy, I enjoy it. I appreciate it, um, and it's a positive thing. 
Which is brilliant. And, you know, what you were saying there with regards to the, you know, the difference in relationship that you have with money compared to your husband. Now, that is something, you know, that that I see frequently, you know, with my clients is that difference. But the importance is talking about it and having that awareness. What I would love to do, actually, is, is after this interview is to send you a link to an assessment that I ask my clients to do, which is around their money archetypes and to get you and your husband to do it <laughs> because there are eight money archetypes and our relationship with money is directed by three of those archetypes. And very often we can find that our relationship with money, how we go about saving it, spending it, utilizing it can be very different to somebody else. But when we realize what our knee-jerk reaction is to money, when we're in certain situations, it allows us to consciously think about those decisions and also consciously to think about why the other person we're having the conversation why is it they're reacting in the way that they are because that allows to have a much more informed conversation because you know as you know and as you described so eloquently during our conversation is money is very emotive Money can make us feel a whole raft of of different emotions. And depending on how we then respond to those emotions, that can add a whole heap of other emotions as well. And I think having having that, that knowledge that money can be a really beneficial force, but equally a destructive force, in our relationship with our husbands, our friends, our children, et cetera. And then understanding from from our own perspective and their perspective, how to have a healthier conversation can really make all the difference to it being that enabler or disabler, as again, you so so clearly described during what you were talking about. I, I I would love to do that actually. It'd be it'd be fascinating actually to see to see the, the outputs. And, and you're so right. And and I think some of it comes down to experience, Leslie, because you know, as a sort of 20, 22 year old, my first marriage probably fell apart partly because of, of my relationship with money and the debt and the problems and the challenges. And actually we didn't really talk about it. We didn't really talk about it. I'd say the good thing that came out of that particular period of my life was, was I say, this, this realisation that I needed to grow up, that I needed to become financially independent and actually financially capable and a bit more responsible. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, the relationship that Graham and I have is very, very different as a, as a result of that. So, I, you know, I'd love to do it. It'd be fascinating to see how it, how it plays out. But I think... Yeah, I wish I wish when I look back years ago, I'd I'd sort of had these sort of conversations and maybe understood some of this stuff a a lot more than I had at the time. And we're always older, always older and wiser, aren't we? You know, after Um, the fact, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I look back, yeah, I wish wish I'd done things differently. Um, But you know, I, 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 
I wouldn't say it's a regret because it just was it was never even on my radar to to have thought about it. So it's not as though I made a conscious decision, but there was never really any um education around money and financial matters in my, back in the day. Um, you know, and, and never had conversations through through school about economics. You know, we did baking and dressmaking and that that was home economics but nothing about the, the how you how you run a budget how you manage your money one of the things that we do at the national horse racing college actually is as part of the trainings that you know a lot of underprivileged youngsters join join us includes budgeting and, and living independently um i think all school school leavers of any age even whether going on tunic could really really benefit from that i think the provision is better now um, than it used to be but but, but not massively you know no because I am involved in a pilot in in a local school that is providing um, a number of units on financial literacy and you know that involves understanding investment and how you know the sooner you start to save and the sooner you understand yeah. compound interest what the benefits could be to your life you know later down the line but the unit yeah. i deliver is on our relationship with money and how you should decouple your sense of self value self worth from how much money you have in your bank account yeah. how much money your parents have in their bank account, et cetera, et cetera. And a big part of what I get the pupils to do is to really think they're 14, 15, they're year 10, and to get them to think about everything they're doing now, how is that feeding into the life they want to have? What dreams do they have? What do they want to be doing? How much do they want to be earning? Where do they want to be living? The car they want to be driving, et cetera, et cetera. So they start to see there is a responsibility on them to be doing now that's going to be affecting them, you know, in in 10 years' time. And it's really, really interesting how many people, just like you say, you know, there wasn't that education when I was in school. It's still not really there now. And that's shocking, isn't it? I agree with you, Leslie. It's terrible, actually. Yeah. You know, it's such a fundamental part of being able to live well. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you've got, being able to live well means you needing you need to be confident with money, and you need to be articulate with it. And and you want you you need to have a different perspective on life. At, at sixteen, seventeen, you, you don't think about pensions. Crikey, you know. Yet you know, if I'd have invested even the smallest amounts at that stage, would have been in a much you know better position now. I mean, I'm 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 okay, right? I've 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 been able to catch up a bit on pensions. But the first opportunity I got when I left my first sort of role was cash my pension in. You could do it back in those days. And I said, I don't want to pension it. I'll just I'll just I'll just take the money. And I spent it. God knows what I spent it on, but I, I spent it. Um and, and I just think, you know, no no sort of really concept really of the consequences or or what I was giving up. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's a lot more needs to be done in that space to to help people, and I think now is the time to act. Frankly, um, we we've had many many years of of low interest, and probably you know an a, easier way of looking at it. But I I just think back, gosh, we're heading back towards these high interest rates, and fifteen percent 
back in my day um it really was hard yeah and and you know people that haven't been through that probably will take will have taken out and I can see it coming will have taken out mortgages because money was cheap I can remember actually when money wasn't cheap and and to an extent that's influenced my decisions about how big a mortgage to take on and you know I always sat down when as we've moved through I've probably moved eight or nine times in the last 20 years and any each time it's I've always thought if could I afford this if the mortgage interest rates were at 10 percent I don't think people do that or no, haven't no. been doing that and again you know it, it's I think there's a there's a um, naivety really that is is there because we don't teach people about what what healthy relationship looks like and you know how to plan for the long term as well as the here and now says me who is a terribly in the moment person but you know I look back and think if I was myself again what would I do differently and that would be one of the things definitely you know trying to save a little bit more over a longer period I think also, you know, what you talked about to do with, you know, what is wealth and having that real understanding that, you know, having your health, your health is your wealth, but actually having that freedom, that sense of security around money that also feeds into your health, but also realizing that wealth in the truest sense of it financially is available to everybody if they believe it is available to them sooner rather than later has that have that self-belief and then put in place the action needed to create the plan to create the wealth but recognizing there isn't just one destination to get there there's several ways to get there but be very intentional in the actions that you're taking but even more importantly being really really aware of where you are your limiting factor where you either not believing you are worthy of success or not believing it is possible for you to take certain steps and it yeah. may well be, you know, when you were 16, if 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 as your 16-year-old self, and this is a question I asked somebody last week, if a knock came to the door where you are now and your 16-year-old self walked in, what do you think she'd be saying to you during that conversation? I think she'd be asking me, how I how on earth did you get to where you got to? And how, 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 you know, what, what were the steps? What were the tricks? What, what were the things that, that, that you did? And, you know, how can I follow in your footsteps? Um, and, and what I would say back to her is actually don't follow in my footsteps. I had no clue, no idea what I wanted to do. I think the point that I think the comment that you made earlier actually was about just sitting back and thinking. I, I didn't sit and think I fell into things. I was, you know, I, I, I stumble tripped into into roles, and I say it was very. My early career choices were really money dictated. I just needed to earn enough money to pay the bills and get out of the the mess that I was in. And I think if I'd sat down and had that conversation with my sixteen year old self, I would have advised her to do to sit down and think really about about what what she wanted to achieve. Um, I always had a chip on my shoulder about I suppose this is where the worthiness comes from about not having an education not having a levels not having a degree now I could prove 
to her that now you you don't actually need those things to achieve and succeed. And I've met so many people on the journey who are the same you know they've they've left school they've dropped out they've they've started on a route and 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 changed and I think that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not worthy that you're not deserving I think that's where some of mine comes from I think on on reflection of today's conversation but you know believing in yourself and believing in your capability and, and accepting that it's it really is you who makes the choices about what you go for and if you build relationships with people and you build trust and you you show integrity and authenticity and you know you work hard people will help you and invest in you you know it's it's mentioned it earlier but I could I have done everything I have achieved all completely on my own from just planning it out absolutely not but have I you know shown people what I'm capable of and that I'm worthy of that that you know investment in I mean I did my professional qualifications during work work it was funded by my employer and you know I I came out with a a professional qualification that sort of leapfrogged me over all the academic stuff it only happened because I proved that I was capable and and someone gave me the opportunity to to go for it so I would say, you know, if, if anyone speaks to you about opportunities, grab them with both hands. And, you know, you talk about imposter syndrome. That's another, you know, it's more of a female trait than anything. You know, um, when I when I was offered the role of the MD of retail at William Hill, I thought, oh, my God, I can't do this. You know, I've never done it. I've never run a P&L before. I've never had to be responsible for profitability. I can't do this. Um, I, I sat down and actually had quite a strong word with myself and said, you can do this you've kind of been doing it you know and, and I, I sort of look back on where I'd come from various roles and thought well actually you've just you've done this just on a smaller scale so just you know get a grip um and, and prove that I can do it and I think having that confidence and that self-belief and and that motivation and a little bit of ambition makes up for such a lot it really does you know um I, I think I think if you if you just believe in yourself and find a couple of people who will believe in you too, it's actually makes such a difference. No, I totally agree. And, you know, something that I very often say, and I'll say to my children as well, I say it to clients, you know, borrow my belief in you until you believe it too. And absolutely. And I think it, you know, it goes that if somebody sees something in you, choose to believe them choose to believe that what they have seen, they are correct to have seen it. And then a point will come where you go, well, do you know, they were right. Rather than, well, I'm going to prove them wrong because I'm going to fail. Because whoever whoever would ever, ever think that, well, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to totally fail in what they Absolutely. believe. You know, nobody ever thinks that. So borrow their belief, just as you were doing, that you could manage the P&L and, and look what happened for you. And I think for lots of us, we can, even as adults, we can still have that that lack of belief that we had as children, you know, when somebody says, oh, I love your your handwriting is so neat, or you sang that solo brilliantly, and kind of go, what they're talking about, my my hand, my handwriting's rubbish, and God, no, I can't sing at all. Well, actually, if someone's telling you those things, it's evidence that it, it is true. So just for now, 
borrow their belief until you are able to utilize it for yourself. Absolutely. I, I could not agree with you more. You know, it, it's it's really reinforcing when you hear someone say to you, you can do these things, you are amazing. Um, you have to, that, that, that to me is the key thing, it's confidence and self, self-belief or having others believe in you that sort of almost give you permission, really, to, to go after things. I, th- I think money's role in all of that is is it's just that's it gives you that little bit of stability, that little bit of security, um, and and it allows you if you if you build up a you know a, just a sensible strategy for financial security that that if if you if you're financially secure and and someone believes in you and and can encourage you to go for the next step, you've you've got everything that you need just to to go on to the next level and keep building on it and keep building on it and keep building on it. But as I say, I think the investment in yourself will will pay more dividends than any financial investment in any bank account or stocks and shares or anything. Invest in yourself and and whether that is in becoming, you know, money savvy, whether it is in making that career change that will take you in a different direction. I, I realized that running after the money wasn't getting me anywhere other than keeping me out of trouble. But when I changed the relationship and made made the ambition and the growth and the opportunity the priority, the money flowed after it. Does that make sense? Yes. Interesting. The money the yeah. money came the money came with it because all of a sudden I was doing something that I enjoyed and that I I was motivated to do and that I felt inspired to do and that I then got a lot of pleasure out of. So it made me want to work a little bit harder at it. It's it's, it's just it's 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 changing it's changing your, your focus on yourself rather than on money yeah itself. absolutely absolutely you know a phrase that I have coined is where mindset goes money flows and I think <laughs> you know yeah. I think that is so so true that once you have put yourself in a position where you're just not constantly either chasing the money or worrying about the money, and I don't necessarily mean, you know, we 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 are in um you know a very different situation at the moment. Very, I'm very mindful about you know mm. cost of living crisis, etc. However, I'm also very very mindful that the media want to always pull us down bring us down rather than raising people up and building that sense of the art of the possible what they can do for themselves it's a little bit like trying to you know whip away the chair as you go to sit down and automatically you fall over and I think the media has a lot to do with people feeling pushed into a corner feeling as though things are terrifying that they cannot take personal responsibility for rather than actually looking to the evidence of people who are doing well in this environment and thinking they're doing okay what do I need to do to replicate it what can I do to help myself why am I allowing myself to be influenced by these negative messages that are going on and I think the more that we are able to, to look at opportunity and work out how can that be for me? What can I do to actually put myself in the best position to move myself forward? And I think when you are 
in that mindset of recognizing, well, actually, it isn't about sitting back and dreading what is happening. It is actually taking action and preventing the situation for me personally, either from getting any worse or more positively, what can I do to influence it getting even better? That's right. That is absolutely right. And, you know, there's a saying, isn't there, that, you know, good news doesn't sell newspapers. It doesn't, right? It's yeah. always, you know, horror stories. I think you're right. The media have got a lot, a lot to answer for um, across all of these things. And, you know, you do every time you turn the news on at the minute, it's it's bad news. It's it's interest rate rises. It's more taxes. It's increasing fuel costs. And, and none of those things are untrue. Right. None of those yeah. things are yeah. untrue. But I think I think what you have to do is stop thinking about these things are being done to you and happening to you and effectively being a victim and start thinking, okay, so how do I respond to these changes in my life, these changes in my circumstance, and, and having a having a plan and just taking ownership and responsibility for it. And, and I know that's easy to say, but but I have been in a situation where things look really really desperate, and I thought there's two ways I can go here. I'm going to end up being declared bankrupt yeah because I've just sat here and carried on in this spiral of not taking responsibility or or, or I can I can deal with it and I chose to deal with it and and I chose to take steps and I chose to you know I chose to build my career and I chose to get professional qualifications and I chose to live a little bit differently in order to make sure that I didn't have that financial exposure and over yes it's taking a long time but it's it, oh God, it was so worth it. And, and and it is absolutely about just changing your mindset. Don't let this stuff happen to you. Get it, get it by the scruff of the neck. Give it a right good shake. Sit down, you know, be, be clear on your finances, be clear on, on where you can make changes and own it. Yeah, absolutely. Then, absolutely own it. Yeah. And and, and that, that, that that's a that's a perfect place, I think, to 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 end. And I think that message is really said loud and clear and one you know I support and, and reinforce I hope on this podcast time and time again so how can people connect with you uh I'm on LinkedIn I'm quite active there you'll find just Nicola Frampton I'm fairly easy to find but um I'll, I'll share all the details so that people can connect with me I'd be more than happy to hear from people and um and yeah that's probably the best way of getting hold of me Perfect. And the, your LinkedIn details will be in the show notes so people can easily connect Brilliant. with you. Thank Brilliant. you very much, Nicola. I have loved talking to you today. It's a conversation that I could carry on talking to you <laughs> for hours because I can see how much it resonates with you and it certainly resonates with me. So thank you very, very much for your time. Well, thank you, Leslie. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to better understand your relationship with money, then please head to the resources section on my website, the Money Confidence Academy, and download my monthly money mindset audit. This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my Money Archetypes Assessment at the same time, which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money 
and how to use this information to make, spend, keep and invest more money. Or if you are a female online business owner, why not join my free Money Confidence community over on Facebook? A link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes. Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, please do tell others about it. And I would love it if you rated it and gave a review.